from the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now here's your host, Matt Andrews. Greetings and welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine here on the Ohio News Network. We're in February, and that means there's not much year left, but, I know it sounds odd, the Blue Jackets season is quickly evaporating. Jeff Svoboda, Blue Jackets insider, Svo notes, whatever you want to call him, our friend, how are you, and how has your break been with the Jackets enjoying some recent time away from the ice? It has been nice. Uh, it's always a great time of year for this to come along. Uh, the NHL now does it that every team gets, in addition to the three-day All-Star break, they get a five-day break on top of that. So it really allows everyone to kind of clear their minds a little bit. The schedule is always really compacted over the, the last two months of the season. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, after the All-Star break, the Blue Jackets have 32 games and probably around 60-some days. And so that comes basically you know, one, one after another as you come down the stretch here. So everybody has a chance to, to break up a little bit. You know, I got to spend a couple of days in Florida uh, with some friends. And, you know, if, if you look at the Blue Jacket player Instagram accounts, they're all somewhere where the sun shines most of the day. So uh, everybody enjoys it and then comes back and uh, uh, gets ready for what is a, a real marathon, but it's also a sprint coming down the last two months of the season. Let's talk about the schedule in a bit. But, Jeff, when you combine the long road trip out west with this five days with the All-Star break, it probably feels like the Jackets haven't played at home literally in weeks, right? Yeah, it is a crazy stretch where the Blue Jackets have just one home game in over a month span uh, because of the the long road trips. Uh, there was one right before the All-Star break where we went out to Western Canada and, and Seattle and St. Louis. And then after the break, uh, there was a trip out to the uh, the, the Canada, or not Canada, California trip yeah. uh, that comes along as well. So between, I think it's... Uh, January maybe 16th or so, and then February 20th or something, there's only the one home game. Uh, so if you were a, a Blue Jackets fan, you've had to probably stay up late to watch some of these contests. Uh, just kind of a quirk in the schedule. And, and we had a really busy start to the season as well, where there was a lot of games and a lot of home games at the start. Uh, so I guess you're making up for it right now. Uh, and then they say, though, it is, a, it is a sprint coming down the stretch. It's, uh, most teams finish pretty strong, and, and you know there's going to be a lot of games in a short period of time. Uh, so there'll be, there'll be plenty more here in Nationwide Arena to finish things off here for the Jackets. Jeff, schedule aside, in the right now, 30-plus games left, what lies ahead for the team? What are some of the goals? I know playoffs seem to be out of reach, but w- what is the near future and uh, the key things right now for this this ball club, if you will? Yeah, the big thing is to continue to keep learning how to win, and that's something that they've gone through this process for much of the season. And they've been so close to having more victories. I, I forget the exact number, but you know this team right now is in last place in the Metropolitan Division in the Eastern Conference. And you said the playoffs are probably not likely going to happen. Uh, but if you look at where they've been in these games throughout the year, I think it, it's 13 or so games they've led in the third period and not been victorious. And so you can take a real glass half empty or glass half full view of that is that you know, last year, and a lot of times, they were bringing a, a knife to a gunfight. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of players playing in situations they, they really weren't ready for. But this year, they've been close. Uh, and if they just turn around some of those close losses and the victories, then you'd be uh, there'd be a much more different uh, opinion of this team. But I think that's the process of learning how to win. And then you look at who their best players are uh, right now. You know, it's it's been a rough year for for Johnny Gaudreau, guys like Patrick Laine, Zach Wierenski, and even Captain Boone Jenner have had to miss extensive time because of injuries. And so really the guys are leaning on on a day in day out basis are 
young players like like the Russian trio of, of Yegor Chinikov, Dmitry Vronkov, and Kirill Marchenko, who have been awesome. Uh, Adam Fantilli, the rookie center, who unfortunately just suffered an injury, but he's been a key part of this. Uh, you know, Cole Sonder is 20 years old. has been their number one center for a stretch of the season. They're really relying on a lot of young players who are learning how to win at this level, and, and they've been so close. And then we saw on this recent Western trip, some of these games where they've been able to lock it down in the third period and get the victories they weren't getting earlier in the year. That's all part of the learning process. And so that's what you want to see continue the rest of this year. You want to see the young players keep getting better, and you want to see them keep learning how to finish off games and, and get the victories they've been so close to throughout the year. Future rosters, you believe, then, will be evaluated on where they stand with this team as these final months go along and and uh, the upper management looks at guys knowing how to win. That That's going to be a key, I guess, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, a key factor going forward for future Blue Jacket squads. Yeah, and I think they've done a lot of evaluation over the last two or three years because they knew that they were not necessarily going to be playoff teams, at least the last two seasons. Uh, that, you know, They were kind of in the midst of a, you know, a rebuild where some of the familiar names everyone knows, the, the Felinos and the Atkinsons and, the Seth Jones, and you can probably even go to further down the line. You know, those, those guys went elsewhere. Um, and, and so there's been a lot of evaluation the last three years of, of who are they, who are the players that are really going to be able to build around when they feel that they're a winning team again. And I think if you're looking for the development of young players and which of those guys are going to come along, it's the guys I just named. I mean, they've yeah. really circled a group of five or six players, you know, especially at forward. Um, I think the defensemen are a little bit younger, still coming along, but, but they've been able to identify who they think they can build around in this little stretch. And that was the important thing they needed to do. And now you wish they had more victories coming out of it. And, and there's been a, a number of reasons why it just hasn't worked out that way. But I think they know who they want to go forward with and who, who is going to be, uh, whether to be traded or whether contracts are not, things like that. I think they've done a lot of that evaluation already and have a pretty good sense of what needs to happen uh, going forward into the future seasons. We'll have more with Columbus Blue Jackets insider Jeff Swoboda when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Rise and shine, jabronis. What a show this morning. There's only one place where Buckeye legends lay the smackdown. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday morning starting at 6. Give me a juice box. Beyond. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. We're talking Blue Jackets hockey. A little over a few weeks left. Jeff Swoboda, the Blue Jackets insider, is our guest. Jeff, you mentioned in the last segment at the end about who could possibly be traded. The trade deadline looms. Uh, without getting too specific, I guess, what are the thoughts on what might be the angle this team could go? Not necessarily asking who might be dealt, but it's in play, right? Yeah, and, and if you look at their record, when you're in last place in a division yeah. at this point of the year, you're not going to be buyers. Uh, and so the, the question is who gets sold. Um, and they don't, you know, traditionally what you see at the NHL level, and really in, in any sport, is that when you get to this time of the year and you approach the trade deadline, the players who are out of contract for the upcoming seasons are traditionally the ones that are most likely to be on the market because, you know, if they're not going to come back, you might as well get some sort of asset uh, for them before, you know, before they just disappear for nothing. And the Jackets don't have a ton of players that, that fit that bill. Um, I think Jack Rozovic, the local uh, forward uh, who's had an up and down time here with, with Columbus, is I think the only guy who's in that UFA to B area. So they don't have necessarily you know, a lot of ammo from that perspective. Um, but, it, you know, there's a certain 
As you look around the, the team this season, you know, they've, they've had too many defensemen from the start of the year. And as teams come down the stretch and say, hey, we need to add one more guy to really bolster our defense, um, you know, Columbus is a place they, they may look. Uh, is they really make to look that last trade. Um, and then you know, there's been some chatter in the national media about the possibility of trading the captain, Boone Jenner. I don't think that's going to happen, but it has been talked about, so I'll bring it up. He still has a year and a half left on his contract. It's a very team-friendly contract as far as term and money. Um, and he's also proven the last couple of years that he's just at the NHL All-Star game, did not look out of place. You know, he's been a, on pace to be a 30-goal scorer for, the, for 82 games over the last three seasons. Um, adds grit, can play in any uh, situation. So if you're a team coming down the stretch that really thinks that, that a guy like that can help you, uh, he'd be a really attractive trade candidate. But again, he is the Blue Jackets captain. And, and I don't think they have any interest in trading Boone. But I do think that if, if they really were looking for a big package, you know, he's probably a guy that can bring the biggest of anybody. But I just don't think it's in their best interest uh, to trade a guy like that. But it has been talked about. So we'll throw it out there, acknowledge that it's out there. And I'll also say I would not hold my breath and expect that to happen. You mentioned Boone Jenner, and I was going there next. The All-Star game in Toronto, he appeared, performed, and performed well. Uh, what can you tell us about him going home, his experience? I'm not sure if you've talked to him yet, but that had to be certainly one of the highlights, not only for this year for him, but for his career. Yeah, it's a tremendous storyline that he got the opportunity to do that. Uh, his 11th NHL season, and his he's kind of had a very interesting career arc where when he first got in the league, and everyone knew he was always going to be captain material. He was going to be a heart and soul guy. Uh, he was going to be a guy that could play in any situation. But I think the biggest question with Boone was just how high was the offensive ability going to be? And I think in his second or third full season, in the NHL, he had 30 goals. Uh, and it was like, Oh, wow. This, you know, this guy could be a, you know, a, a superstar building block if he can do that. And then the, the next five seasons after that just didn't score as much. And he didn't need to, he was on a team that had you know plenty of guys who could score it and really kind of came to embrace kind of a, a third line role, but the last couple of years as the roster has, has been remade, he's gotten more and more time and, and it's proven the production is, is there. I mean, he's not necessarily going to be the fanciest goal scorer in the world, but he, he gets to the front of the net and scores uh, from the areas that you have to score in the NHL. So uh, for him to get the honor that he, that he received, like I say, the last three years, he's performed at a very high level, uh, deserved it, got the chance to go back, back basically home. He's from a farm in uh, Dorchester, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half from Toronto. I talked to his mom before the trip. Uh, you know, the whole Jenner family was going, uh, friends and family as well, the extended family. Everyone was there basically to see Boone have the experience. And he talked about afterward, you know, he got this, he scored in both of the three on three games, which was impressive for him. But also just the opportunity to share that with his family and share it with, you know, the all stars. He brought back a signed jersey and a signed stick and things like that. Uh, to be with some of the best players in the world, he said, was a very mem- memorable experience, a very rewarding experience for someone who honestly probably never thought he'd get to that point. A little more with Jeff Svoboda. We'll wrap things up when we continue on the Ohio News Network. Hey, folks, it's game day, and the betting's going to be intense, Drew. You said it, Dave, but a good pregame routine keeps betting responsible. That's right. you got to pause before you play. Good call. Sports betting is hot, but it can be risky. And pausing to set limits is an all-star move. That's right, Dave. If you bet on sports, pause before you play to set limits, recognize the risk, and know when to stop. Learn more at pausebeforeyouplay.org. Do you have an oak tree in your yard? The Ohio Chapter International Society of Arboriculture is committed to advancing responsible tree care practices while preventing a fungal disease called oak wilt. They remind those who own and manage oak trees the best time to prune is November to early March. 
To find out more, there are over 1,000 qualified tree experts in Ohio. To find an ISA-certified arborist in your area, visit treesforohio.org. That's trees4ohio.org. Ohio has over 920,000 diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. February is Children's Dental Health Month, so make sure you make an appointment for your child to visit an Ohio Dental Association member dentist. ODA member dentists are located throughout the state and are dedicated to providing the highest quality dental care, are bound by the highest ethical standards, and have access to superior ongoing education and training. On your next visit, ask if your child's dentist is a member of the Ohio Dental Association and American Dental Association, so you know you're being treated by the best. To find an ODA dentist in your area, visit ODA.org. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for seventy two thousand, would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614 the Fan. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Blue Jackets insider Jeff Svoboda is our guest here on the Ohio Sports Magazine this week, talking about the Jackets here in their final couple of months, 30-plus games left. They've had a lot of time off with the West Coast trip ending then into a, an all-star break and any of the five days off where they're granted each year. Uh, Let's talk Adam Fantilli, the news before the break, about eight weeks on the shelf due to injury. What can you tell us about him, how he's progressed, and this unfortunate setback here late in his rookie season? Yeah, It really is unfortunate because he was someone who was in the mix for Rookie of the Year honors. Uh, And it's been everything that I think that the Blue Jackets hoped he would be coming in. As a 19-year-old rookie, uh, you know, you just don't see – a ton of players come out of their draft year and play in the NHL. And there's a number this year, uh, you know, starting with Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick, and, and uh, Fantilli went third. Uh, the guy that went second, uh, Leo Carlson, has stuck it out with it, Anaheim this year. But by and large, you only see a handful of guys in each draft year stick with the team throughout an entire season. And, and Fantilli's one of those guys and, and has deserved it. He's been, you know, one of the Blue Jackets' better forwards throughout the season and, and has a really good ability to score goals, uh, you know, thinks about defense as well. You know, he's not a guy that's just going to be out there trying to score and then not worry about the rest of the game. He plays a 200-foot game, and, and he's a rookie, and there's been some ups and downs, and he's going to learn from those types of things. And, you know, they played him at center, uh, which is probably the hardest position in the NHL to play, and, and he's had some ups and downs there. But, 
Um, you know, they, they kind of, I don't want to say sheltered him a little bit, but, you know, you don't want him to go out there and play the best in the world and lose his confidence. So there's, there's been some, you know, moving around the lineup and things like that. But as far as performance goes, I, I think anything you could ask for out of a player in his position, the, being a young rookie, they, they've gotten. So he's proven to be a real, uh, real building block for this team, and I think it's only a matter of time. At some point in his Blue Jackets career, he's going to be a captain of this team, and he's going to be a guy that really drives the bus because his motivation and, and his will to win are, are really at the next level. Um, and I, I think that he's going to be a really big piece for what they're trying to build here. Jeff, let's talk promotions, and then I want to talk about your outgoing TV voice and face, Jeff Rimmer. Promotion-wise, as I count, there are nine games over two different road trips. So road games left, but there's also a number of home games left. Do you have a few ideas of what may be coming promotion-wise here down the stretch with this team? Well, you put me on the spot here because I, you know, we'd lay all this out at the start of the season. I've forgotten all the different things that are still to come. I know he's still got a, a, a an Elvis bobblehead to come. I know that uh, that's like a special ticket package. Um, our Margaritaville weekend is still coming up. So uh, if, if there's any uh, any Jimmy Buffett fans out there, if, if you go to our website and go to our ticket page yeah. and search for the uh, the special group offers or the special ticket offers, that's what you want. Because for, for some of the giveaway items, you have to be kind of the specific. Uh, you know, you have to buy the ticket ahead of time. You can't just walk in and get it at the door. I know the margarita one and, and the bobblehead one are um, ones that fall under that category. Um, I think we still have our military night upcoming. Um, and there's uh, Hockey for Her, which is our, our female-centric programming. There's still one of those to come. So you know, it's one of those things that I think we've actually dipped our, our toes more into the promotional pool this year than ever. Uh, we have a, a new vice president or a new director of marketing that came over from the Reds and you know how baseball is, it's, you know, it's, it's bobbleheads and all that kind of stuff. And so we've, you know, if you've gone to Blue Jackets games for a while, you know, there haven't been a ton of those types of things. And we're trying to do more and more of that stuff. And, um, you know, it's filling up my little bobblehead shelf in my desk. Uh, but there's been some cool ones this year, and there's still some more to come as the season winds down. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but let me do it one more time. What can you tell us about the Safe Flight spot at Nationwide Arena? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, that is a new initiative as well, uh, the Safe Flight Safe Spot. So it's a... Um, like a, a place for those that are a little bit overwhelmed by the senses, especially our younger fans that come in and, uh, you know, there's a cannon and there's a lot of music and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so if you, people with, uh, who are a little bit oversensitive to the stimulation of an arena, uh, that is a new spot that, that fans can access uh, through our guest services department. Um, that if, you know, if, if things get a little bit too overwhelming, especially if you have young kids, it's a place they can go um, and, and kind of settle down. And, you know, the, the cannon's not as loud and things like that where, uh, um, you're seeing this happen more and more in pro sports that these areas are, are being developed, and uh, the Blue Jackets are uh, happy to be at the part of the, the forefront of that and, and help uh, make sure that every fan that comes into the arena is as comfortable as can be. Jeff, we'll leave you with this. How are you going to help celebrate the final few <laughs> games and the storied career that Jeff Remmer has had with, with this franchise, with him in general in the game, and with his broadcasting career as he is the outgoing TV broadcaster of the jackets yeah i need to get jeff to sit down and talk about his career though when he announced his retirement at the start of the season he pretty much wrote it all down for me so i can just get all out of that uh, his, his long letter to, to cbj fans uh announcing his retirement um you know he's, he's a walking hockey history book in some ways i mean he spent six decades in the game you know we were just up in toronto and and bally you know did a really cool segment where they had him walking through some of the old photos that, uh, that hang up in the, the arena in Toronto and some of the people he knows from they were in those photos and the stories he knows and things like that. I mean, he's a contact of so many people in the game uh, and he's, he's forgotten more about the game than the rest of us probably already you know, know at this point. So 
Um, he's been a great resource for us uh, in the Blue Jackets world over the last 20 years. Um, a great friend to us all as well. And, and I know uh, um, we probably haven't heard the last of Jeff Rimmer. I'm sure there's more, there's more to come, but it just won't be as our, our TV broadcaster. But um, someone who has spent an entire life in hockey and has uh, been a, a really uh, important person for all of us who've gotten to know him over the last number of years. Long live Rims and long live the Blue Jackets insider. Thanks so much, Jeff. We appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Coming up next on the Ohio Sports Magazine, Eric Reeser joins us right here on the Ohio News Network. Common Man and T-Bone. You kept throwing the same stupid starting quarterback out there. You keep talking about how you're on the right path. Well, then why'd you fire your entire coaching staff? Common Man and T-Bone. Sponsored by the Hinderer Motor Company. Weekdays 3 to 6 on The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Eric Reeser joins us from the Ohio News Network. On February 1st of this year, Tony Petiti, Commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, and Greg Sankey, Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, announced in a joint statement the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. Adding, quote, these challenges, including but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws and complex governance proposals, compel the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports, end quote. The leaders of both conferences say the unnamed advisory group will have no authority to act independently and will only serve as a consulting body to their member schools and to the National Collegiate Athletic Association or the NCAA. This comes amid tremendous change to college athletics specifically football, where realignment in the offseason has four teams joining the Big Ten and two joining the Southeastern Conference. ESPN's Paul Feinbaum is one of the most prominent journalists in covering the Southeastern Conference. Paul joined Bo Bishop on own and affiliate WBNS-FM in Columbus and was asked about his conversation with the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. Paul says based off his conversation with Sankey, he thinks the two conferences joining forces is about looking out for their best interests. I think what he's really trying to say is that Tony Petiti uh, from the Big Ten and the SEC, we're trying to tackle the big ticket items. Uh, we're, we are... We are not trying to take over college athletics. Quite frankly, they already have, so I don't think he needed to say they were. Um, and I, I think what they're really interested in is making sure that uh, all these smaller schools and smaller conferences uh, don't have the kind of voice that they've had, especially in, in issues like CFT, when uh, I, I, I detected that maybe the group of five uh, days are numbered there. Uh, maybe they're going to figure out a way to actually get the best teams in versus uh, the most deserving but I think the real issues are the legal, uh, the legal problems facing college athletics, and I think he, he, he and Petiti are going to try to tackle that where, where they tell the NCAA where we are as opposed to waiting for the bureaucracy of the NCAA to take over. Paul also says a college football super conference is on the horizon. Yeah, I think ultimately that's right. Now, remember something about Greg Sankey. I mean, he is kind of what you would call in Washington or in the court system an institutionalist. He used to be the commissioner of the Gulf South. Uh, he's been in all these small places, and I think he probably cares more about them than I do or you do. Um, but that's beside the point. He's the head of the SEC. But I think it's really unique. And he also mentioned a couple of years ago he went to Kevin Warren of the Big Ten to try to uh, get something rolling here, and it got nowhere. And then you know better than anyone what Warren did did yeah. do during COVID. And I think Sankey uh, and Petiti, there, there's a past relationship between Petiti and the SEC, 
and uh, give Petiti credit. I mean, he immediately got down to Birmingham uh, and then and then uh, to to see what was going on, and and then Sankey. I mean, Sankey does not look at, at the Big Ten as, as competition. I mean, they both have a, essentially a monopoly on college football, uh, which is where the action is. They, they have their separate networks, uh, and they're not really. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if you're if you're battling the other guy for you know, within the framework of ESPN or Fox, but they are not. Uh, ESPN is all SEC, and obviously uh, the Big Ten situation is multi-layered. ESPN's Paul Feinbaum, a guest earlier this week on ONN affiliate WBNS-FM in Columbus, says he thinks Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti and SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey will have zero issue exercising their great influence over college football. I think they'll be very strong-handed uh, when, once, they, once the dust settles. Um, I really, I mean, I got the impression from Greg Sankey yesterday that he he is just fed up uh, with with all the bureaucracy, even though they're part of it. But but I think he's fed, he really uh, he mentioned a, a, a CFP meeting a couple of years mm-hmm. ago in Indianapolis when it all came apart, and that was you know that was the ACC, the Big Ten, and, and the Pac-12 you know coming up with the alliance. Probably the funniest moment in the interview when I, when I referenced the alliance. He stopped and said, "That's a bad word." Um, he said, "I'm going I'm to fine you for that." I mean, that that was really interesting um, because that that ended the 12 team playoff starting this past year. And just, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, Bo, but uh, all this nonsense uh, that we heard from Florida State, they would have been in. Ohio State would have been in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would have been a completely different situation. There's likely little coincidence that the SEC and the Big Ten announced a joint venture during the same offseason where the college football playoff expands from four teams to 12. In his interview with Bo Bishop of ONN affiliate WBNS-FM in Columbus, ESPN's Paul Feinbaum was asked if there's a number of teams each conference would try to strong arm into next year's 12-team playoff. I mean, I think right now, I mean, if you had to be uh, realistic, uh, there's no way more than three are getting in from the, the, the SEC or, or the Big Ten in the current construct. And I think that's a, that's a bone of contention. I mean, the idea that and, and every time I bring this up, somebody says, well, you know, remember Cincinnati a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember. I got, I got stuck at that game in Dallas, and uh, it, it was four hours I'll never get back because they, they, were, they were way out of their league uh, in spite of the undefeated record. So I, I, I just think that the, you know, the fact that we're stuck with this bizarre combination of Pac-12 you know, Pac, Pac is legally alive. There's no chance that those two are going to be eligible But the fact that they could be eligible, I think, is something that Sankey addressed as well yesterday. There's also some recent scuttlebutt centered around Dylan Raiola, a five-star quarterback prospect from Georgia, who flipped his commitment from the University of Georgia to Nebraska before December's early signing period. His father, Dominic, told 24-7 Sports it was a former Buckeye who helped convince his son to make that flip. We'll say, bring up one guy's name. His name's Kirk Herbstreet. When he saw, he saw the smoke. Uh, about Dylan entertaining Nebraska, he was like, called me. He said, dude, is this true? He got to do it. You know, he got to do it. He, he, his affinity for Nebraska, uh, for a guy like that to tell me and to, you know, get behind me. Like I knew, I knew he needed to do it, but I wasn't going to sit here and say, you need to go change that place or be a part of the change at that place. Um, so when Kirk told me that, you know, I was like, man, you know, this is, I've had people reach out, other coaches reach out, reach out to me and say, look, the place is special. Coach rules a special leader. In his appearance on ONN affiliate WBNS FM in Columbus, ESPN's Paul Feinbaum says that Rayola's admission about Herb Street did not sit well with Georgia fans. There's another thing that happened prior to that. At the SEC championship game, 
uh, Pat McAfee on the set of game day essentially said um, to you know Georgia fans, "You can go to hell," or maybe uh, something along those lines. Sure. And it got it got very uh, beaten out of shape for a lot of people. And I really uh, and then when they heard this, and I I tried to uh, listen. You know Kirk. I know Kirk. Uh, Kirk has always been very quick to respond. He didn't, and I finally heard from him later. And and you know he never quite issued a denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he he said, "Listen, you, you talk to a lot of people. You have no choice." Uh, I think he I think he came off looking poor to Georgia fans who can't wait to get mad at somebody uh, because that's that's fans in general. I mean, not, and and they love to get mad at broadcasters. Uh, and I, I think the fact that it happened on the same day that Saban was named right. to game day probably irritated Georgia fans even more. I'm Eric Reeser for the Ohio News Network. Thanks, Eric. Up next, we head south here in the Buckeye State. Paul Keels checks in on Cincinnati right here on the Ohio News Network. There's no one in the world who knows more about the Buckeyes than Timmy Hall. Well, that's not true, but no one else returned our calls. Join Timmy for Buckeye Roundtable. Monday night at 6. The Fan Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine as we touch now on the Cincinnati Reds and hear from Jeff Carr, the host of Locked on Reds, with our Paul Keels. Well, after talking with the Locked on Bengals guys for most of the fall and the winter, we get a chance to turn our attention to baseball, which will be starting up soon. And Jeff Carr from the Locked on Reds podcast, kind enough to join us. Jeff, thanks for talking to us as always. And let's begin by asking about kind of the additions and what the Reds have done in the offseason with pitching, in particular in regard to Frankie Montes and Brett Suter, adding them to the pitching staff. Yeah, I really like what Nick Kroll has gone out and done because coming into this offseason, it was evident that the pitching staff needed a bit of an overhaul. There were some speculation, a lot by us, that they probably could go out and get a big-time ace. But really, I think what Nick Kroll wanted to avoid was signing anybody whose contract would run over into the arbitration years of that of L.A. De La Cruz and Matt McClain. So he went out and he got three really good bullpen arms, one of them in Nick Martinez who could start as well. And then you have Frankie Montas to this starting rotation that is full of upside, but also full of question marks. And while Frankie Montas also brings his own question marks, he has shown in the past that he can pitch. And I think that Nick Kroll has done a very good job of adding so much quantity of talent while still finding a way to add quality that, you know, it's not a sure thing, but it definitely could hit and make him look like a genius. And, and Buck Farmer coming back. This is a guy that was a real workhorse as far as innings logged last year. That, how did you feel about that, Jeff, when you heard that news? I was really happy to see that they brought him back. Like, he's a guy that when you look at his statistics, and especially if you stop at the ERA, you're going to think, well, he was okay. But honestly, he was very clutch. And there were a couple of months there where he – was the kind of guy that as soon as he came out of the pen, you felt really good about the Reds' chances to win that ball game. And now, I mean, he was he was really asked to be kind of a setup guy last year. Now with the guys that are coming back from injury with the new additions that the Reds have made and Brent Suter and Emilio Pagan and, you know, hopefully T.J. Antone can uh, recover and get back to his old form, you're talking about Buck Farmer just kind of being a, a middle relief guy. Him and Ian Jabot 
were the linchpins of that bullpen last year, and they may have the pressure kind of taken off of them this year, which could only help them and, and turn their performances, you know, even more positive for the Reds. You mentioned T.J. Anton. I, I believe there's some others, too, from the pitching standpoint, that if they can come back healthy, that could be a boost, couldn't it, Jeff? Yeah, especially on the starting side. Uh, you, uh, Nick Lodolo is the first guy that you think of. I only saw him for a handful of games last year, and even that, it was evident that he was dealing with something. He was pitching through some injuries because you can see these like n- these statistics that the Reds had for him early on, and you're like, boy, is he regressing? And it was just that he was dealing with that injury. So if he is coming back completely healthy, and then you also look at you know guys like Graham Ashcraft and Hunter Green who missed time last year but still were able to make a bunch of starts, Like if all these guys can come back completely healthy and ready to go, this pitching staff is just so deep and so talented that we're talking about a guy in Brandon Williamson who made 23 starts last year, probably won't be on the opening day rotation. <laughs> yes, that's incredible. Uh, the acquisition of Jameer Candelario, and I think about that, Jeff, and remember when he debuted with the Cubs against the Reds and made it an immediate impact yeah. in that game. How do you see him plugging in here? I tell you what, he was a killer last year uh, for both the Nationals and for the Cubs. I remember when the Cubs acquired him, I'm like, man, I thought we were done facing him. But uh, he really killed the Reds last year. And so the Reds were like, well, if we can't beat him, sign him. And so here he is. I thought initially with that signing that it meant that another uh, that a trade was coming or there was another corresponding move. But honestly, I can see the vision a little bit. It's It's, again, going to be one of those things where it's not a – sure thing that the Reds are betting on, but it's going to be a gamble that they can have a consistent veteran presence on the infield and then move one of their talented infielders to the outfield. Maybe they're talking about Noel V. Marte. Maybe they're talking about a CES. Maybe Jonathan India can pan out in the outfield defensively, but I think that they have created a roster flexibility where initially when you saw the Candelario sign, you're like, oh, they've already got too many out or they've already got too many infielders. Why did they bring in another one? But I see how it's going to affect the roster in a very positive way on the field performance wise. And he is a veteran and a good veteran presence for that locker room as well. Well, Jeff, since you mentioned the name Jonathan India, are you surprised he's still a Cincinnati Red? And are you anticipating that that could be a tenure that maybe is shorter term rather than longer term? I don't necessarily know that I'm surprised, but I do think that we may see him traded before the deadline. He's a guy that's a man without a position. And as as much as that stinks for a guy that won the Rookie of the Year just a couple of years ago, I cannot find a position that he is the best player at currently. I I think Matt McClain is the best second baseman on this team, and he may have an argument to be the best shortstop on this team over Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, Noel Vimarte can play shortstop third and second. Ellie De La Cruz can play anywhere if you put him on the field. I, I firmly believe that. And so when you also look at the reason that while he was moving up through the Reds' farm system, they drafted him as a third baseman, but they moved him to second because they thought that his arm didn't project well at third base. Now you're saying that you're going to move him to the outfield. Well, you need a pretty good arm to be a pretty good outfielder. So that's going to be a big challenge to see if they can either develop a system where they've got a cutoff man ready to go for him or, or he is able to find a way to not have his arm be a huge detriment because, sure, you love seeing his bat in the lineup, but, I mean, early on, if he is out there in right field or left field or wherever they're trying him out in the outfield and I'm an opposing base runner, I'm running. I'm testing that arm. Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for your time. It makes us feel a little warmer just talking to you about baseball, Jeff. 
Absolutely, Paul. Go Reds. Thanks, Paul. We'll have more of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Hey, folks, it's game day, and the betting's going to be intense, Drew. You said it, Dave, but a good pregame routine keeps betting responsible. That's right. you got to pause before you play. Good call. Sports betting is hot, but it can be risky. And pausing to set limits is an all-star move. That's right, Dave. If you bet on sports, pause before you play to set limits, recognize the risk, and know when to stop. Learn more at pausebeforeyouplay.org. Do you have an oak tree in your yard? The Ohio Chapter International Society of Arboriculture is committed to advancing responsible tree care practices while preventing a fungal disease called oak wilt. They remind those who own and manage oak trees the best time to prune is November to early March. To find out more, there are over 1,000 qualified tree experts in Ohio. To find an ISA-certified arborist in your area, visit treesforohio.org. That's trees4ohio.org. Ohio has over 920,000 diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. February is Children's Dental Health Month, so make sure you make an appointment for your child to visit an Ohio Dental Association member dentist. ODA member dentists are located throughout the state and are dedicated to providing the highest quality dental care, are bound by the highest ethical standards, and have access to superior ongoing education and training. On your next visit, ask if your child's dentist is a member of the Ohio Dental Association and American Dental Association, so you know you're being treated by the best. To find an ODA dentist in your area, visit ODA.org. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. The fan, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show, and let's check in with our producer, Bodie Wells. Thanks, Matt. Last week, the Tennessee Titans hired offensive line coach Bill Callahan away from the Browns to replace the veteran offensive line coach. Cleveland hired Andy Dickerson from the Seattle Seahawks. This week, the guys from the ultimate Cleveland sports show discussed that hire and more. I hope he does a good job. Um, He has only been a a head position coach for two years. He played O-line where? Tufts. Tufts College. 
Boston. D3. He's a D3 guy. Those usually be the best ones, too. That's the crazy part. They usually grow up to be great coaches. I I like his hair. He's got good hair. I I like that. that, When you look at his resume, I mean, you think about the Rams. Obviously, he worked with Sean McVay. What was he there, Mike? Like the assistant offensive line coach? When he was with the Rams, yeah. he was their running game coordinator for a sec. I'll, I'll pull up the exact. Okay. Oh, that's great. They, He's been coaching they, a while. They need that. Listen, nobody's going to be as good as Bill Callahan. He was but- the assistant offensive line coach in St. Louis and also had some, some hand in the run game. He was also right. the Seahawks run game coordinator. One stat for you guys. Uh, this is the one thing I was able to find. Shout out to uh, Mac the Buffalo on Twitter for this one. But the Seahawks had nine different offensive linemen last season play at least 200 snaps, so another injured offensive line just like the Browns, they allowed the 10th fewest sacks in the NFL. So we had a lot of guys who were not yeah. necessarily stars come in and be relatively productive. And how so. much that's because of him or not, who the hell knows. Well, uh, Seems like a perfectly acceptable choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he was under Sean McVay, who's a great offensive mind. He's, yeah. He studied the game. He knows the, the run game. You need an offensive line coach. It's not like there's... Off, any offensive line coaches out there that's like, oh, we got to have that. Right, right, right. Like he's no, a game sure. changer. So, you know, when it comes to that, he got big shoes to fill. It's going to be tough to do. But I like the fact that he has an offensive mind. I think that's ultimately goes back to the Kevin Stefanski. You got Tommy Reese. You got Ken Dorsey. You got Kevin Stefanski. And you got this guy. You got four good offensive minds or a guy who's worked under a really good offensive-minded coach in Sean McVay. He could bring some of that run game tendencies in there and help you know, Nick Chubb and the rest of that committee get back to where they're supposed to be. So I think it's a respectable hire, and I think it's the best you was going to be able to do in, the, in this situation now that coaches have been hired. Who is uh – Who's the lighter-skinned guy from Kid and Play? Does anybody remember? Kid? From what? Kid and Play. You don't know Kid and Play? Yeah, Kid. No, I just didn't hear you. Kid and Play. Uh, is Kid the lighter-skinned guy? Yeah, Kid. Andy Dickerson looks like if Seth Rogen and Kid from Kid and Play had a kid. <laughs> oh if Kid from Kid and Play and, and Seth Rogen had a kid, it would be Andy Dickerson. There you go. Kind of like Bob Ross if Bob Ross ate another version of Or maybe of Bob, Bob Ross. Ross. He's got a little yeah, Bob Ross he hair. He does have Bob Ross hair. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> You're demented. That's what That's I think. True. That's true. Uh, it's funny because it is true. Like It does look like that. Is, I was just trying to look it up real quick. Is Chad O'Shea the only position coach returning the yeah. receiver? I mean, Callie's on staff, too. Yeah, well, she's the assistant. If, I was just going to say, that's the big takeaway. First of all, he's the first coach they've hired now that doesn't have NFL experience in terms of playing. The first of all the coaches they've hired here. But if you look at, they got, they also hired, um, I don't know his name, but the Eagles. His name is, and I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, it's Roy Ivastin. He is the Eagles assistant offensive line coach. He's going to be this guy's assistant offensive line coach. So if you look at the position, the offensive coordinator, the position coaches, and even the assistant pitch, uh, assistant position coaches, I believe that Chad O'Shea and Kelly Brownson, who are the wide receiver and assistant wide receiver coach, are the only returners, I believe, on offense. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Receiver's yeah, coach is still it. there. Right. Yeah, so he is. Yeah, he's the only Right, but even the assistants, like, because the, they, you know, the, the guy who was Bill Callahan's assistant went to New England. Scott Peters. Uh, so anyway. That is an overhaul. That is a massive overhaul. To catch the full breakdown, just search for the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and enjoy their daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine show here on the Ohio News Network. 
Holtman's Buckeyes hit the road for a Big Ten battle with Wisconsin. Cheese curds are delicious. Live fan coverage starts Tuesday night at 7.30. Proud to be your home for Buckeye basketball. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. That'll put a wrap on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Our thanks again to my guest, Jeff Svoboda, Blue Jackets Insider, as well as our Locked On contributions for this week. Now for Paul Keels, Eric Reeser, Colin Berenger, and Bodie Wells, I'm Matt Andrews. We'll have another show for you next week here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 